0: Green Army Online the podcast of Stubbington Green Runners Hello Stubbington Green Runners and a warm welcome to episode 5 of your podcast Green Army Online. This is where we can all interact even during the current lockdown, and find out more about other members and club activities, past, present and future. We've already had some most interesting chats with people in the club in previous episodes. I could mention Louise Tanner and Sarah Barron in episode one, Ewan McGrath and Mike White in episode two, Penny Force, Kev Ashman and Emily Tanner in episode three, Lewis Chalk, Melissa Hutton-Dunton and Andy Stockwell, Mike White, Andy Simpson and Lisa Don on Episode 4. Our last episode, Episode 4, was a bumper edition and required a pretty long run to be able to listen to it in its entirety while running. At the end of the show, I'll be giving details on how you can be involved by mentioning Clubmates in a message or a shout-out or by suggesting other people we can talk to about their running. So stick around for that info. As for this episode though, We have coming up, as part of our regular look at what's happening during these COVID days, we discuss the new brainchild of our men's team captain Andy Simpson, the South Downs Way Virtual Relay. There's the usual update from the team captains on the status of the COVID-19 Virtual Relay as we approach the final couple of weeks, We chat with the apparently unstoppable John Lee and hear how he's been getting on since his terrible accident involving a motorcycle back in February. Club member, endurance athlete and coach Nigel Witcher tells us about how he was inspired to take up the Goggins 4x4x48 challenge recently. We hear that club training sessions are now coming out of lockdown hibernation. And we find out who's joined the club recently, we get to solve a couple of old riddles and exercise the grey matter over three short puzzles, as well as hear contributions and comments from members of the club since the last episode. I think as you listen to this episode you'll be heartened to hear from John Lee about his progress. Excited to hear from Andy Simpson all about the new virtual relay on the South Downs and positively in need of a sit-down and a sleep after hearing Nigel Witcher talk through his challenge. The Covid Days In this part of the show we've been highlighting some of the things going on at the moment which the current Covid-19 lockdown has brought us. Today, we'll talk about what we think will define the end of lockdown, what the most recent relaxation of restrictions has meant for the club and running together, and a new initiative to keep us running and competing, but in a Covid-safe manner, during the lockdown, the South Downs Way Virtual Relay. What will we do after lockdown? For those things that we wouldn't have done without lockdown – I refer you to the Facebook post by Sarah Barron on the 100th day of lockdown, which was the 24th of June. It is very interesting. How do we ever decide the lockdown is over, though, when we consider ourselves no longer under lockdown? Do we wait until everything, literally everything, is back to normal, whatever that is? Do we wait until we can do everything we used to, even if that's in some sort of modified form, or do we wait until the vaccine against COVID-19 is available? And how long after that until everyone has had the vaccine though? And what if it won't actually prevent the disease, just limit its effects, as is the case with other vaccines, for example the flu vaccine? Are we talking about just the UK or Europe or the entire world anyway? And will it ever be deployed across the entire world? Notwithstanding those thoughts about the end of lockdown and how to define it, will our world ever be the same again? Will races ever be the same again? Would it be feasible to gather thousands of people together for mass starts like we used to, without some risk of infection being a concern? Your views welcome. (laughs) This week we've seen two of the first new-style organised training sessions at the club. Firstly, Tuesday Hills with Louise Tanner. Louise posted on Facebook on the 26th of June, Tuesday morning hills, I'm planning to run a hills session this coming Tuesday at 10am in Whiteley if anyone fancies this. She went on to explain that it could be only five runners, plus itself, to make up the government guidance level of six maximum, and that the COVID risk assessment was in place, and so on. The Hill session took place in the rain on Tuesday the 30th of June, and I understand it was very soon fully subscribed. So, how was it? What happened? How was it organised? In Ali, my wife, I fortunately had a willing reporter there, who is now able to fill us in.
1: I'm just back from the first official stubbies group session since lockdown, It was a very wet but very brilliant hill session out at Whiteley with Louise taking us, uh, five of us in the group. She explained all about the social distancing requirements and things we needed to do. But it was very easy to keep our social distance because very few people around. We did a pyramid session on the hills out in Whiteley Woods. It was a hard session but a lot easier to do in a group as it always is than to go out and do on your own. And afterwards, when we got back, we even managed a socially distanced coffee, which was really good to be able to just stand around together and have a natter and catch up. So I've really been missing our group sessions and it was great to get back. So thanks, Louise, and all the other guys in the group, and looking forward to many more in the weeks and months ahead.
0: Thanks, Ali. Secondly, a 1 mile time trial with Sarah Barron. Sarah posted on Facebook on the 27th of June, Stubby distanced running event, 1 mile time trial, Monday evening 6th of July at Whiteley. We will need to stick to some fairly strict rules to ensure we can maintain social distancing, but should be able to run in groups of up to five. Who's interested? And I'll put out more details. Again, I believe the session was popular And even though at the time of recording it was yet to take place, Sarah listed on Facebook the number of people signed up, amounting to 76. So how did this work? According to the information provided by Sarah, it was one lap of the Whiteley Business Park. It could be run as a time trial or just a chance to get together with other club members. Sarah allocated base times to most runners to allow them to run with a similar pace group, Unless anyone had asked to run with someone in particular, event instructions were also sent out to all those who'd signed up to ensure compliance with all the relevant regulations. Each runner was given a start time to run in groups of five, and runners were not to approach the start until the previous group had set off. Then runners timed themselves over the one-mile route and submitted their times at the end of the run. The results were to be published as absolute run results, but also as a list based on how runners performed against their best park run time of 2020, so this means there's an overall handicap result too. Social distancing rules were in place throughout. If you're one of those 76 or so runners who took part in this one mile time trial on the 6th of July, why not send in a brief report, a voice message or an email about what happened? Simply send it to podcast at stubbingtongreenrunners.net and we can share that in our next episode. You may have noticed Andy Simpson posted on Facebook recently that there's a new initiative for the month of August. So let's find out about it from Captain Simmo himself. Hi Andy.
2: Good evening Stuart. It's Friday evening and it's the start of the weekend for most people. I've, I've had a little sleep after coming up a night shift. And uh, I'm talking to you about the virtual South Downs Relay that's going to take place in August.
0: Yeah, the virtual South Downs Relay. So to be run on a real South Downs or a virtual South Downs?
2: No, we're going to be running on the South Downs. The event would normally take place the first Saturday in June, and it would normally cover the full 100 miles. Okay, but obviously COVID-19 has um, meant no racing this year. And my little idea was that uh, I know we can't do the South Downs this year. And I know the people who, you know, were excited to, you know, to run it for, um, for Stubhamton Green. So I came up with the idea of a mini version. Mm-hmm. So running on the South Downs, but just taking three of the actual South Downs legs that we normally race on and still using the same format. So six man team. It's mixed abilities. So, I want everybody, anybody can run this. It doesn't matter how fast, how slow you are, anybody can do this. they Excellent. just going to go out, wreck your legs, and then do the actual leg.
0: Right. Does this start on the 1st of August?
2: It's going to be run all the way through August. So, people can post a time anytime through August. Okay. Myself and Lisa are going to mix the teams up. So, we're going to have mixed ability teams. So, we're going to try and do like the heart 4 relay and try and balance out the team so we get a good mix and hopefully a very even you know split of runners and teams and that
0: and are there any limitations on when people run in other words within a team of six do they just do their own thing or do they club together to make sure they're doing a spread through the month or how does it work
2: no they can do their legs anytime so the idea is that they will go out and wreck their legs so they don't get lost when they actually do it and cost their team valuable seconds or minutes
0: okay so let's just let's just clarify recceeing means going out on the south downs finding which way to go following the signposts uh so that when you actually get to run your leg you don't go wrong
2: that is correct yeah so yes there is signposted that on the south downs and some of them are not so obvious so and if you're running at speed or just running you can quite happily um, miss the sign and find yourself off the south down. So it is important that the guys go out and wreck it beforehand. The idea behind is is we're not asking everybody to go out and do it all in one day. Obviously, we've had to do COVID-19 risk assessments and everything, unless you're actually part of the same family. At the moment, the current guidelines say no car sharing. Yeah, It's making your own way down do your own steam. There's nothing that stops people going up there supporting or social distancing running, obviously sticking with the guidelines again. Yeah. No more than six people, but obviously we have been quite specific in the instructions and obviously that will go out when we announce the teams of what they should be doing with regards to government guidelines at the moment.
0: Sure. And let's talk about the legs for a minute. On the the real South Downsway Relay, there are obviously 18 legs and we're doing three of them here. Which ones are they?
2: Okay, so we've chosen and just keep it simple for people who don't know the normal legs, we're gonna run from Harting, so Harting Car Park down to QE Park. Right. Okay, and that leg is actually um five point four three miles. Mm-hmm. Okay. From QE Park, you then go up butzer up to the sustainability center, and that's three point nine three miles. Right. And then from the sustainability centre They will run to Old Winchester Hill, which is 3.7 miles. So three runners will run it in one direction, and then three runners will run it in reverse. So they'll go from Old Winchester Hill to Sustainability Centre, to Sustainability Centre, to Curie Park, and then Curie Park back to Harting. Like I said, it doesn't have to be done on the same day. It's any time throughout August that this can be run. And obviously they need to time their run, and then what they will do is actually send their GPS to louise and tag myself and lisa donning who will verify the results and the routes been run correctly
0: okay is there a joker
2: oh i love a joker and obviously we had one for the covid relay and yes we're going to have a joker again joker will run the, one of the legs out and back okay so let's just take for example if it was the first leg Harting, they'd run from Harting to curie park and from curie park Back to Harton in one go. I must stress at this point, I haven't decided what leg the joker leg is going to be at the moment. So I'm weighing up health and safety of um, being in August, could be hot, how far people could be out there for running times. And so I haven't decided which one of the three legs is going to be the joker leg at the moment. But it will be done as at out and back in, in the same run.
0: Right, but you will choose a leg and then it's up to the teams to decide which of their six runners does that.
2: Yeah, I'm not getting involved. So it's up to the teams how they select their runners and who's going to do that extra bit of mileage. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. How many people have signed up for it so far?
2: So we announced we went live with emails over the weekend, early Monday. Some people might have got the emails. So far, I've had 36 people already signed up so that is effectively six teams already
0: how many do you need do you think to make a real competition of it
2: i'd like as many as possible Stuart. you know so we have 500 and odd members um it'd be nice if we could get similar number to the covid19 so if we had 180 runners that'd be you know that'd be 60 teams if my math is correct
0: fantastic yeah and what if you don't get right at the end you don't get a multiple of six people wanting to enter what will you do
2: put out a begging letter for however many runners i need <laughs> <laughs> we need to obviously have the six Stuart. so you know the idea is we'll we'll have we'll get there by one way or another yeah and then obviously if i have extra people they then become reserves in case anybody's injured hopefully not like yeah. in month of august they can't do it
0: is there a baton involved in this relay
2: so, for health and safety reasons, um, we're going to make people run with their phones. So, the idea is that you're going to be out in the South Downs, you're going to possibly be out there on your own, and we're going to make people take a phone. Okay. A
0: so, everyone's baton is their phone? Yes. Yeah. How do people in the club, or people in the same team even, support one another, apart from actually going physically and obviously staying distant, but being there is one thing can people will people have visibility of individual runners on facebook just like we've had with the covid relay where facebook has has showed people in advance who's going to be running then who's running tomorrow and then who ran what last night or whatever is there going to be a similar thing do you think
2: yeah so what i'd like to do is encourage people to post up that you know they're going to be going out running the south downs today or the day before should i say so And then they'll get that message from support from their team and probably other people in the club will wish them luck. Also, we're going to get them to post their results onto Facebook. As I said, tagging myself, Louise, and Lisa in for verifying those results. So once they've done, they can post their results. So obviously, there'll be that support from that point of view. And if the teams want to do it, messenger groups. You know, they can get their own little messenger group going of their six people and they can G up each other through that as well.
0: And how... Is the scoring going to be done? Is it purely on time?
2: Stuart, you know the Downs relay, it is purely on time. The fastest team wins. (laughs) Providing there's no penalties for going the wrong way and taking any shortcuts.
0: Okay, I was going to ask if there are going to be any penalties, or do we have to wait till the very last day of August to find out who's in the lead, even?
2: Do you know what, Stuart? It's going to be so hard to work out who's in the lead. you know, because nobody's going to run it in order. So, you know, somebody could run the longest leg first, somebody could run the shortest leg. It, it's yeah. It's just going to be, nobody's going to know who's, who's won.
3: Until the end. Until you
2: know, the end. Until, Until the e- all the teams are posted.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the 30th of August is going to be the interesting day when we find out who's won. That happens to be a Monday. Are you planning anything for that day?
2: Uh, I don't know, even if I'm working Monday. <laughs> I have no idea whether I'm working that Monday or not
0: sure i'll oh, wait and see then let's wait and see andy is there anything else that you can tell us about the relay so that people are prepared and and they're all ready and, and waiting to go
2: yeah i mean i guess it's just the safety precautions we have put guidelines on there that you know you are going to be opening gates and stuff so that you know we advise if people want to to put on gloves so that they're not actually touching gates that people might have touched yeah you know, from a COVID point of view yeah I've already mentioned the car sharing thing. There is no car sharing unless somebody from your uh, family uh, currently as a guideline state, unless that changes. Yeah. We're going with what the current government guidelines are. Hydration, really, just make sure that people are hydrated beforehand. Yeah. And if they want to, because they could be out there for a long time, take water with them and make sure they've got water for afterwards. Because... Out there, there is no, you know, there's no way to get a drink from anywhere or anything like that. You're actually out on the trails out there and I'd hate people to be dehydrated. So just a bit of common sense. You know, make yeah. sure that you are fully hydrated and that phone is fully charged. You know, there's no point going out with your phone. if It's not fully charged and it dies and you need it. No dog-assisted running. So I know there's some people that like canny cross racing. Yeah. I can't have any dog-assisting running, please. When we announced the team, I will send out the instructions again, and what advice regards to what should be people should be doing.
0: Sure. Okay. So once people have been told what team they're in, there will be a full set of instructions at that point.
2: Yeah, I'll just reiterate what was put out in the email that Louise sent, and if I've forgotten anything, I will uh, put that in as well. Good. And uh, uh, please, please pack. You know, if, you know. Please put some sun cream on just for the UV rays, so you don't burn and then cancer and everything.
0: Okay. Good advice. Thank you. Well. We, uh, we stand by then to be appointed to teams in due course and when do you think the teams will be announced?
2: They'll be announced just before the start of August because obviously closing date I think is two weeks before um, the end of August me and Lisa need to get together put our heads together and work out um, the best will in the world we'll try and balance the teams and so we'll look at COVID relay times we can look at Parkrun times the power of 10 and we'll do a best to, to match it so that people are as evenly matched as possible
0: great yeah sure so okay we will stand by and uh, eagerly await that announcement just a few days before the first runners set foot on the southlands way for the virtual relay thanks very much andy for explaining that to us and we'll speak again soon i'm sure
2: thank you very much Stuart. see you bye
0: And, as Andy mentioned there, and also in his Facebook post on the Stubbington Green Group on the 29th of June, Louise Tanner should now have sent out an email to all members with all the information in it, including, of course, the necessary risk assessments, which you'll need to read carefully in the email sent to you. The SGR COVID-19 Virtual Relay this is the time when the team captains for Team Odd and Team Even, Lisa Don and Andy Simpson respectively, give us the lowdown on the past week's relay runners and battens, and let us know about those scheduled for next week. We're currently at the end of week 11 and so there are only two weeks to go. So it's time to call up the captains. Andy first. Hi Andy.
2: Ah, Good morning Stuart, how are you?
0: I'm great. So tell us covid19 relay what's been happening this week and what's happening next week
2: well this week we've it's looking like it's going to be our biggest mileage week minus the joker week so the guys have really outdone themselves this week and gone above and beyond for team even so this week we've had running starter of the week we had laura k and she's a hairdresser so she was running with a hairdressing comb and did 2.32 miles. Then we had birthday boy Ollie Coldwell, who absolutely smashed it, 3.61 miles, running with a tire lever. On Wednesday we had Libby Wakefield, and she ran 2.21 miles with a stubby mannequin. Then we had Rich Chowns. joining the three mile club, dead on three miles, and he ran with a carrot. And then on Friday was your good wife Ali, and she ran. miles with the swimming goggles absolutely had a cracker and then on saturday we had another birthday and it was steve coombs and he ran 2.9 miles running with an orange and then today we're just waiting on chris hall he's um due to go out on the south downs so all being well unless he has a disaster yeah we'll be looking at our biggest mileage week And currently, our mileage, with Steve running yesterday, we just smashed through the 200 miles. So we're on 200.19 miles.
0: Excellent. Okay. and what's coming up this week for Team Even?
2: So week 12, uh, so we've only got 13 runners left now. So the last two weeks, we start off with Zoe Preston. Then on Tuesday, we have John Plomer. Then we have on Wednesday, Becky Hobson. Then we have Kyra Mully. Running on Thursday. Apologies, I've not said your name right. On Friday, we have Robin Peel. Saturday's Johnny O'Neill. And finally, uh, Sally McGrath on Sunday.
0: Excellent. Sounds like another strong week for Team Even. Well, uh, leave it there for now, Andy, and we'll catch Lisa in a bit and find out what's been happening on the odd side. OK, thanks very much. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. I can report that Chris Hall went on to complete a distance of three point oh eight miles shortly after I spoke to Andy. Then I spoke to Lisa about Team Odd. Hi Lisa.
4: Hi Stuart. How are you?
0: I'm great, thank you. How are you?
4: Yes, very well, thank you. Excited to give you the rundown of week eleven.
0: Please do. So Team Odd. Please do.
4: Okay. So we started Monday, so twenty ninth of June. We had Emma Baker who ran a 2.34 mile distance with her can of deodorant. It was a very windy week this week, so I think it was a bit of perspiring there. Um, and then we had Greg, who ran on the Tuesday, um, a little bit of a rainy day that day. So Greg's best of choice was an umbrella, um, and he managed a, a brilliant 1.77 miles, which is far more than he thought he was going to do, so that was fantastic. Uh, We then had Annie Trotman, who had a paintbrush as her baton, and she ran a fantastic 2.42 miles. Uh, Then we went over to Dominic Shepherd, who ran 2.71 miles, and he had his grandfather's old walking cane that he said once used to grace the streets of York. So a little bit of history there from Dominic. Okay, so then we had Sue Moore, who had her mini bottle of wine as her baton, and she ran a fantastic 2.25 miles. I think the contents of the bottle stayed in there until the end of the run, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, And then we went on, definitely a theme here. We had Emmeline White, who was celebrating the reopening of pubs. She had a little mini bottle of Jack Daniels and managed a a fantastic 2.45 miles. And then today, as I speak, we had Alistair Wakefield. It's his birthday today. So I have a total of 3.05 miles, but I'm yet to find out what his baton of choice was. Maybe he's drinking his as well. Who knows? So that put Team Odd uh, a weekly total of 16.99 miles for our week 11. So cumulatively, that's brought us up to 192.26 miles. So for next runners, we have Zoe Main on Monday. And Tuesday, we have James McKinnon. Wednesday is Geraldine May. Thursday is Jack Tuckwell. Friday is Louise Nicholson. Uh, Saturday is Mark Green. And then Sunday we have our international runner from Thailand, we have Laura Chalk, and that will be finishing week 12 for us.
0: Thanks very much, Lisa. That's great. Good. Another another great line-up for Team Odd, and uh, the miles may be some way behind Team Even, but it's not all lost, I'm sure.
4: Not at all. All to play for, but uh, as we're having fun and enjoying it, it doesn't matter what we're all here for. Absolutely. Looking forward to week 12.
0: Thanks, Lisa. Okay, bye for now.
4: Okay, thanks, then. Bye.
0: To summarise, the scores at the end of week eleven, with only two weeks running remaining, after a sixteen point nine nine mile week for Team Odd and a record-breaking nineteen point five seven mile week for Team Even, the totals are now. 192.26 one hundred and ninety two point two six miles to Team Odd and two hundred and three point two seven miles to Team Even. That's a lead of eleven point oh one miles to Team Even. With two weeks to go, is it too soon for Team Even to celebrate? Our lockdown club mileage tally aka Paul Hammond Data. The last episode you may recall that we'd collectively run as far as Queensland Australia since Paul Hammond first asked us to post our mileage on Facebook at the start of lockdown. Since then it appears that fewer people are entering their data on the Facebook post so we won't be tracking it here anymore. Maybe this is a sign though of the beginning of the end of lockdown as we know it. Taking this, alongside the great response from runners to join in with a one-mile time trial and Louise's first hill session, it must surely be a sign that we're more interested in running together now, now that lockdown restrictions are easing. Hooray! Thanks, though, to Heather Graham and Rob Williams for the help and interest in keeping this going over the past few months of lockdown. Other listener contributions... Here's a selection of the comments made by listeners to Green Army Online recently. Maria Millican commented on Facebook, Really enjoyed listening to the latest podcast. And Blake noted on Sarah Barron's lockdown posts on Facebook, Early morning walk to support Tommy on his relay leg, and then evening walk while I listen to the latest excellent podcast. Hannah Payne also noted on Sarah Barron's lockdown post, Big walk this evening to stomp out the stressful day spent mainly on the phone to an icy service desk that left me with little more than a bad back and a bad mood. Finished off the latest episode of the podcast, which was the perfect accompaniment. And Penny Force wrote, Another brilliant episode. It was great to hear how Melissa HD, Lewis Chalk and Andrew Stockwell are getting on in Thailand and Brunei, and I look forward to seeing them when they return to the UK in the future. Excellent advice and info from Mike White, Lisa Don and Andy Simpson helping us through this pandemic crisis. And Melissa Barum posted, enjoying the episodes so far. Thanks everyone for the feedback. It's our pleasure today to be talking to one of our club members who many of you will know, and it's John Lee. So hello, John. Hello there. Hi. Um, John, we're interested in understanding how things are for you now in the light of what happened back in February. So perhaps you could start by taking us back to February. Where were you and what was going on?
5: Uh, yeah, I don't have a great memory of what happened. Uh, it happened on... It was Friday the 21st of February and I was doing a club hill session in Ditchfield. Yeah. And unfortunately, I got... I. I uh, went across the road at the bottom of Coach Hill, whether it was my fault or the motorbike's fault, I don't know, but I got hit by a motorbike. And that, that, that was as much as I rem- well, I don't remember even that. I got taken by air ambulance, the Thames Valley Air Ambulance, to Southampton General Hospital. And I, I had no memory for about two days after that.
0: Really? So you don't remember the actual incident itself?
5: No, I have no memory of the actual incident, and quite luckily, really, is I went in a helicopter, and I've always been a bit fearful of helicopters, Uh so I was quite lucky that way. Um, I had a major head injury, including a bleed on the brain on the Friday night, which meant I had to have a brain scan. On the Saturday, my my, my bleed got worse, so I had to have another brain scan. But luckily, that didn't actually cause me any more problems, and from then on, it was improvement all the way, really.
0: Wow, on the evening that it happened, uh, you say it was a hill session. So who else was there with you?
5: Yeah, it was. It was quite a small group. It was um, one of Sarah's hill sessions that she runs in Titchfield. Yeah. So Sarah was there, Stuart, Kevin Ashman, and Julie. There was probably only about six or seven people on the hill session. Right. I think I'd done two or three laps of it, and then I was I was coming back down Coach Hill on the on the footpath side. I crossed the road at the bottom of Coach Hill, and that's when it happened. And obviously, I have no memory, like I say, of it actually happening or all the, the hours afterwards.
0: Sure. Yeah. So how long were you in hospital?
5: I was in hospital for just under a week. I, was, I went in on a Friday night, and I came out the following Thursday. I was quite eager to get released from hospital, and I was yeah. being taken, as a lot of people who have been in that sort of situation will realise you get sort of tested before you can be released. And each day from about the Monday onwards, I was taken out into the corridors and had to prove that I could walk on my own and move up some stairs and uh, take me a little bit further each day. Yeah, And then once I could prove that I was able, really, they released me on the Thursday, but I had to be released by about half a dozen different departments. So the physio, the brain department and, and all sorts of different departments. All I to say, I could go home. Right. And luckily, John Warner came and picked me up on the Thursday with my wife and brought me home on the Thursday night. And it's been uh, much improvement since then, really. I still have um, some issues. Yeah, it's not all been, I'm still, as my doctor reminded me last week, I'm still in the early stages of my recovery, really.
3: Yeah, sure.
5: And my, my legs are sometimes don't do what i want them to do and it's the uh, the uh, nerve damage Right. so my yeah. uh, brain doesn't always send the correct signals to my legs although I've, i do go out and i've still run back to running about four or five times a week my legs don't always get the messages right and they they don't go as fast as i'd like them to right but as i get reminded quite often when i get frustrated about it from my wife and from the good running friends that I've got in the club that often run with me and also from a doctor. I'd say I am in the early stages of recovery and it could take up to 18 months. Really? Before everything's correct, you know, and even then there's no guarantees that I'll be back to the athlete I was before.
0: No, but but nerve damage can take a long time, can't it? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, in the hospital when you were waiting to be sort of released and beginning to obviously get yourself back on your feet and feeling a bit better did you feel at that stage um particularly normal or did you still have a lot of pain or how was it
5: no i had quite a, a nasty injury on the head and my ear across the top of my head so i had lots of stitches uh in the top of my head and right. down my ear where my ear was virtually hanging off i think on the friday night Oh. and so i had lots of stitches uh about a week after i got released from hospital i had i went and had to have the stitches out but where it was all a lot of scabbing and things like that they didn't get all the stitches out so i went back a little while later to have the rest of the stitches out and only a couple of weeks ago actually okay. I, I went and had the last stitch out because my wife was looking in the head and she could see a little bit of blue thread sticking out in the head
3: all right
5: and it was one that was under the skin and it had worked itself free Yeah. So I had made an appointment, and even the nurse, when she tried to get it, she said she couldn't see anything, and uh, she was can say, well, she was sort of saying that it probably worked itself free and come out. So I sort of, although I didn't quite believe that, I sort of said, yeah, okay, I'll come back when it's if it comes up again. Uh, And then she said, oh, hold on a moment, I can see it, and she pulled, she managed to grab it with a pair of tweezers and pull it out, and it was about an inch long, this bit of thread that was still in my head. Good, and that was only. A couple of two or three weeks ago so yeah (laughs) so it was uh, quite surprising that that had been in my head about yeah well about four months so
0: yeah Yeah, well it's out now yeah yeah so talking about your running you sound like you're doing quite a lot i mean you're out several times a week does that feel okay how does it feel now
5: yeah not too bad I'm, i'm probably you know a couple of minutes a mile slower than i'd like to be or than i was before right but I've, I'm quite lucky in the fact that um, well, my wife started doing a bit of running. She's quite keen and she's oh, in fact she's she was going to run the man versus horse in the summer. But and then it got put off until September and then got cancelled.
0: Yeah, because you did that last year, didn't you?
5: That's right. Yeah, I've done it a couple of times and she was lucky enough because it's a difficult one to get into. And she was lucky enough to get a place this year. And although she's not normally used to running that sort of distances or over that sort of terrain, she was quite keen to do it. So she put out that she was going to do it for a sponsor for the Thames Valley Air Ambulance, as they were the ones that sort of helped save my life. Yeah. And because she'd got so much money and it's got cancelled again in September, she's now going to run the distance on the same weekend it would have been run. Wow. So I've been going out with Rita, my wife, at most weekends and getting a few miles in and doing a few hills and such like. Yeah. And I'm quite lucky that I've got some good friends within the running club or running community and running club that are quite happy to come out with me once a uh, well about once a week and run a, a little bit slower than I normally would do. So on a Wednesday night I normally run a six mile loop around Whitley with Susie McGregor. And Alison quite often comes as well. Yeah. And then on the Thursday night, every Thursday for about the last six weeks or five or six weeks since we've been allowed to meet up with others, I run with John Warner and Sylvia.
3: Right.
5: And, and they, they're, they're both quite fast runners. They're quite happy to come along with me once a week and, and run a lot slower and, and use it as a recovery run for those. You know?
0: Oh, that's great.
5: So I'm very lucky on that. So I only need to actually run – I probably run only run on my own about once a week. Right. Yeah, uh, like I say with my wife at weekends, and then with uh, a couple of nights a week with others. And then, then maybe once on my own. So yeah,
0: yeah. And, and when you're running, when you're out and about, do you because of the accident? Do you think more about traffic, or are you a bit more uh, maybe cautious, or even nervous about running on near roads?
5: Yes, I am a, a very wary, especially road crossings where I, I can't always turn my head because well, of the injuries and such. like. I can't turn my head right. all the way around. So I have to make sure I stop at road crossings and make sure it's clear before I go and that type of thing. And my eyesight's not fantastic either. That's still part of from the accident as well. Right. Where I quite often, if a, if a uh, footing's a bit dodgy, i have going up and down curbs or I quite often go up into Whiteley Woods. So if there's a tree roots and things like that I find I need to close one eye and run along with one eye closed just to be able to see them clear otherwise right. I get a little bit of double vision so yeah
3: yeah
5: so yeah I'll get around it and and plod on I should say yeah
0: and also you're still improving as you commented at the beginning this is the early stage
5: yes yeah and, and uh, so I keep getting reminded you know because I get frustrated um quite a lot with you know sometimes my breathing seems really good i can i'm not getting out of breath i can't move my legs any faster and people remind me of you know what happened to me and the fact that you know it is still early days and uh yeah and i'm actually doing okay
0: yeah oh yeah sounds very much like it yeah really good well done do you know what happened to the rider the motorcycle rider
5: no i don't I, i saw some early um police appeals online and things just after the accident where they'd asked if there was any uh, witnesses that had uh, maybe cam footage and that sort of thing yeah and they said that the they mentioned that i had been taken to hospital with serious head injury and the motorcycle rider had had only had uh, minor injuries so hopefully he was okay
3: yeah
0: so he didn't abscond at the scene he he was there no no
5: no no i don't think so anyway
0: (laughs) (laughs) not that you were really aware of what was going on at that point no No, indeed so given that there is obviously a lot of time to go before you might be to full capacity again whatever full capacity might mean for you as well you're not really sure how do you feel about the future what do you have in in long-term goals do you have any
5: I do have some um some events that I'm sort of looking forward to mm-hmm. The first one is one that I've done a couple of times before. in fact, I was at the event last year helping out at the event as I was injured at the time, and that's uh still scheduled for October, which is the Atlantic coast challenge
0: oh really yeah
5: it's it might be a little bit of a pipe dream at the moment, but I'm sort of hoping that I can work up to that and get enough to do that if it goes ahead in october
3: yeah well r-
0: remind us john is that the one where there are three consecutive days marathon ish on each day
5: it's three marathons in the three days of yeah. the weekend on the north cornwall on the southwest coast path and the north cornwall coast yeah and it starts near padstow and finishes at uh, land's end on the third day
3: yeah
5: but it's uh so i'm sort of hoping that maybe i could do that even they do have walkers in the event as well as runners all right. So although I obviously wouldn't be anywhere near as quick as I'd been in previous events, even if I end up walking a lot of it, I think it's it's uh, doable. You know, So right. uh, I'm quite hopeful that if that goes ahead, I will be able to do it. Yeah, And also one of the other events I missed from this year, well, it actually didn't go ahead because of the COVID thing and that, is uh, being put off to next year, which is a similar type of event. It's uh, up in Scotland around Loch Ness, the Loch Ness 360. It's the same thing, three marathons in three days, and you do a full circumnavigate of Loch Ness. Yeah. So that's not till towards the end of May next year, I think it is. So that would be a a little bit more long-term, but it's the sort of event that I've always enjoyed doing, those multi-day type events. So again, it's it's one I'm quite hopeful for.
0: Yeah, well, you've not set yourself modest goals there, John. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) But then we're talking about John Lee here, the the man who's uh, done this many times in the past. Um, Well, we wish you well, John, with your continued recovery and also getting back to some of those great challenges that you put yourself through. Hope that life continues to improve and then each run begins to feel a little bit more comfortable. And maybe who knows, one day you'll be feeling okay about it and not so
5: frustrated. Thank you very much.
0: Well, thanks very much for joining us on Green Army Online, and we wish you
5: well. Thank you very much. Bye. Cheerio.
0: Something old. This is where we will look back at something. At this time of continuing partial restrictions, even though they are slowly lessening, it's a shame there haven't been any races, apart from virtual ones, so we can't look back at any of those. However there are other things happening even during lockdown you may have seen recently that on facebook nigel Witcher was up to something so let's find out what that was all about and let's speak to nigel hello nigel
6: good afternoon well good good morning even
0: (laughs) indeed so what was this that you were doing there was some mention on facebook
6: uh, a lot of mention on facebook what was it called yeah, it's the David Goggins four by four by forty-eight. So it's four being four miles, by four hours, by forty-eight hours.
0: And who's David Goggins?
6: Now, David Goggins is a a guy that lives out in the U.S. who's now a very good ultra athlete, ultra american athlete, right, and triathlete as well. And he. Also does a lot of motivational stuff through his podcasts and stuff on, online and he works with the US government on other bits. He's also an ex Navy SEAL. Right. And he basically went through Hell Week three times so to actually get passed out through the SEAL training. So he's a bit of a toffy. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty of a, well they they say he's one of the hardest men alive. Wow. But yeah, to read his, um, I've started reading his book, Can't Hurt Me, and it does describe in there very, very graphically what he went through, particularly with his early years as a child. He had one of the worst childhoods I could, I could actually read, and for him to pick himself up off the floor um, in a very, very bad way mentally, and he actually motivated himself to actually and have the desire and inspire himself to actually go and do this. But now obviously he's an ex Navy SEAL and he, he works for, he still obviously does a lot of ultra marathons. He's done up to about 40, I think something like that. And lots of really sort of hard events. Most of the ultra marathons around about a hundred miles plus. Wow. Yeah. Like the Badwater, water, the Moab I think is a 250 mile race. Oh. So it's, a lot of this stuff. I think his first ultra he did a hundred miler with no training, huh. and uh, basically he had broken legs. He said that some of his uh, the bones in his feet were actually broken when he actually did it. My oh, goodness! So, <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a um, bit of a psycho when it comes to to doing this stuff. But it's all about. He, he talks about how you train your mind to be able to go above because we said that you, you only use 40 percent of your mind and your physical ability
3: right
6: and you saying to be able to tap into that extra 60 percent to actually push yourself forward right talks about that a lot
0: so on this occasion he's he's thrown down a challenge to do four by four yeah. by 48 um what what was the reason behind him putting this particular challenge down
6: well, if, if you read his book, during the book, it gives you loads of challenges to do, to be able to get your mind in the right place,
3: mm-hmm.
6: particularly if you're suffering from, say, depression or low esteem, or you you want to try and get something in your life, or you want to try and do something better in your life, so If you want to lose weight or something like that. He's he's giving you these challenges to be then be able to deal with these life things that he what that you want to do so the 4x4x48 is one of these things that he does every year to get himself ready mentally to be able to do stuff
0: right so why did you choose to do this one
6: basically it was down to um, a friend of mine who's just come back from africa he's out there on tour with the army he was came back uh, on leave and he had to isolate from his family for two weeks so he wanted something to do so because he was reading his book at the same time he said he would do it and because I was talking to him about it he said oh do you fancy giving that a go and I said well that just sounds like good and I wanted to do something to raise awareness for mental, men's, men's mental health as, as I've suffered in the past and still am yeah so I thought well you know I've done lots of ultras and marathons and stuff so why not give it a go yeah so he did it the week before I did it.
0: Yeah. When exactly did you do it?
6: I did it Friday the 19th. And so I decided that a week before that I would do it this weekend coming. I just basically did a few runs leading up towards it. Most I'd run in the last three months is nine miles. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> because I wasn't that worried because you're breaking it up into four mile segments all the time and you're getting the rest in between. Yeah. So it was all all a new thing for me to not have to go and run a straight marathon or a straight ultra for 30 odd miles without stopping apart from the checkpoints. Of course, it was a very, very much of a new animal to me. Yeah. But all week I, when I decided to do it, I thought, well, I need to run for something. Men's mental health was very really important to me. So rather than actually, I didn't set up um, a donation page or anything because I wanted it to be just for awareness and not as as uh, for money. Right. So I decided that I would try and get the club involved with it by getting the support that I needed during the legs. So obviously up to six people running at one time, so five people maximum I, could, I can get, and the response was, was, was phenomenal. That's great. And everyone wanted to run with me, which is great. Yeah, yeah.
0: So all through the night and through each day, did you have someone with you all the
3: time?
6: Yeah. So I started at six pm Friday night, and then you run every four hours. So the next one would have been, would have been ten, then two, then six again, then ten, then two, then six, and ten. So it goes all the way through for forty-eight hours, and I was the last run being on two a.m. two two pm on the Sunday afternoon.
0: Right? Did you stick to the same route each time?
6: Obviously, the week leading up to it, I looked at several routes. Being as I live in Lower Swanwick. <laughs> the uh he got Swanwick Lane which is the infamous goes up quite a bit no one likes running up it and obviously we got the birds on the hill on the other side so it was a case of find a flat route that's that's not off road it's not it's pretty impossible that's local to my house so i wanted to keep it nice and simple so i decided that i'd reckon a nice 4 mile route that goes up Swanwick Lane up to the BP garage and then back down the A27 down Beslan Hill and then back up Smoke Lane to my house again. So it's quite a hilly route. That was just four miles. That was just bang on four miles each time. Oh, that was so handy. I kept it the same, right? And the same. I went the same way each time as well. And it's just in case um, people wanted to come and support me en route or wherever, then they knew where I was going to be the whole time.
0: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, who was it who came out at those ungodly hours in the middle of the night? And and kept you company and all the others as well. Have have you got a got a little list of the people who were out there with you?
6: Yeah, there was there's a couple of people that did more runs than, than, than some others, um, which was great. A particular shout out to Simon Gibbon who did four runs with me. Wow. And obviously the first ones we had Simon, Rob, Tiff, my son Tom and, and Gainer. So we had a good good show on on the first one out, so that was good. Right. Ten o'clock in the evening on Friday was Dan and Dawn. It mm-hmm. was great. And then at 2 o'clock at AM, oh, am that, that was an eye-opener. Yeah, young Don Truslow turned up. Good, good lad. Yeah. And what a morning that was, running that morning, being stopped by the police. <laughs> really? Why? What, wonder what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> running at 2 o'clock in the morning.
3: <laughs> oh, dear.
6: Yeah, and then obviously 6am in the morning, uh, Tracy, Paul, Paul Smith, and George, huh? who decided that if he'd run, that he wanted breakfast afterwards, <laughs> and I said, "There's no way I can't go to sleep." <laughs> Not
0: for you, maybe for him.
6: Yeah, and then obviously the, the, t- the ten o'clock in the mor- on Saturday morning. Yeah, I'd done sixteen miles by this point, so I was feeling pretty tired with no sleep at all because obviously you're you're getting you get in from your run. Yeah, and you're still quite pumped up obviously your adrenaline is still running so you've got to sort yourself out so you, you have a shower because it's still quite sweaty so it's still quite hot and humid yeah get something to eat as well quickly as much as you can just some protein some carbohydrate but obviously not too much because you're running in three hours time again yeah so i stick to a soup few staple foods like some peanut butter sandwiches or the bananas flapjacks a bit of chicken protein sort of basically try to get myself in bed sleeping but that was impossible really yeah you just basically lie you lay there thinking about the next four miles so did you sleep at all not really no you just sort of doze and then obviously you're back up in about an hour getting yourself ready for the next one yeah it became a chore to actually get yourself out of bed, or get yourself up from what you're doing to get dressed mm. and, and go again. Really, yeah, yeah. So the, the ten o'clock one in the morning on the Saturday, yeah, I obviously had to include the COVID relay, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, Maria um, with me and the great Ewan McGrath. Great, right. as you can imagine, Mister Bouncy.
0: did he want to pull you on a a slightly higher speed than you
6: wished yes of course Um, (laughs) so but then we started off up up Swanwick Lane nice and steady and I decided to start the relay on the M27 right so I had 19 minutes of virtually running down the hill down to Burson Hill and then obviously I'd done it too quick so I had to then have six minutes left to run up Swanwick Lane
3: oh no (laughs) (laughs)
6: So, by that point, I was at about 20 miles, almost at 20 miles running, and my legs didn't want to know anymore. No. But I managed to do 2.17 miles for the COVID relay team, so I was happy.
0: Well done. Well, there's very few people on the relay who've done 20 miles just before they do their relay leg. Yeah,
6: Yeah, and no sleep as well. Absolutely.
3: yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
6: Yeah, so that was interesting. So, I was pleased with that. And uh, to be honest, most of the first, like the first three splits were really bang on between 39 minutes and 40 minutes. Oh, yeah. And I wanted to keep it that uh, just under 10 minute mile in for, for most of them. And I almost achieved it apart from the last couple. Wow. Yeah, but going on from that two o'clock in the afternoon, I had people turning up out of everywhere. <laughs> I had to have people on my bikes, riding on my bikes to, on the other side of the road so they weren't running with me.
0: Right, because you ran out of space. You had already five people.
6: Yeah, because obviously the, the, the lockdown rules say it's only six people. Of course. So I had Heather Heather and her husband, Brian, uh, Richard, Bruce, Simon Gibbon again, and Elizabeth James. That was great. So that was a really nice support on that, on that really hot afternoon. Yeah. So that was really good.
3: Yeah, it was hot, wasn't it? Yeah.
6: yeah. Yeah. Then go on to the six o'clock in the evening. I had Steve Coombs. He turned up. Great. With John Lee. Mm-hmm. But at that, but that point, 6 o'clock in the evening, I was getting really, really tired, really, really tired.
0: Well, I should think most people by that point, even just from the sleep deprivation point of view, would feel tired. So the fact yeah. that you'd also run by this stage, what, 28
6: miles? or 20, Yeah, at least 28 miles, yeah, by the 6 o'clock, yeah. yeah. My legs felt fine, actually, because I kept it nice and steady, and I started to walk some of the hills, the steeper bits, Especially going up Swanwick Lane, just up up by the Elm Tree Pub there. I just walk that hill. I then then cross the road and then we go up out towards the BP garage again. And I'd walk a few of those little hills just to rest my legs a little bit, but as you would do on an ultra marathon. You'd walk the hills, I run the flat and the down. Yeah. It was trying to save as much energy as I could, yeah. but still trying to keep a good even pace. But then. When you got to the M27, you had two miles virtually pretty much flat and downhill. So I picked the pace up a little bit more. So it was, it was funny really how the, the four miles you sort of try and split it down into how you, how you ran it yeah. each time. And because I was running the same route, I knew where I was and where I could push and where I couldn't. Yeah. It, it, it became the, uh, the norm of that. But then obviously going on from there, the 10 o'clock, Saturday night, I had Becca and Andy White right. with Wendy which was Steve, with and Steve Coombs again because they stayed for a barbecue on Saturday night. <laughs> so they all sat in the garden in my garden, had a, had a barbecue with me, and we did the SGR quiz as well. Yeah. when I sat there going to sleep like that. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't on this planet at that yeah. point. I
0: th- yeah, I think I noticed that you disappeared off camera at some point on the quiz.
6: Yeah, I, I think I was just getting a point where I was getting so tired that I just really couldn't concentrate on, particularly talking to people or actually doing, doing the quiz. Yeah. So, so I I decided that I'd go upstairs try and get some sleep, which I did. The first sleep that you'd had at all. I think so. Yeah. The trouble is, it's hard to sort because of, you sort of you put your head down and you don't realise you're you're dozing, but you're not really sleeping properly. You're not getting to the proper sleep that you want. Yeah. I, I think I slept for that hour and a half um, and my partner, Sean, woke me up at half nine. Right. Ready to go for the 10 o'clock one again. And I think I, I grunted at her. <laughs> 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 no way.
0: <laughs> Politely. <laughs> I
6: think it was the first, the first time at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night that I actually had to really get my mind around this. Right. Because I knew that although I was halfway, it was the seventh run that was going to be a tough one.
3: Yeah.
0: Did it get any easier after that, or was it just always as tough each time?
6: I think once I'd done this 10 o'clock one, it was nice and steady. It was obviously running at night in the dark, so it was nice it was a bit cooler. And because I had some sleep, I felt a little bit better in myself. Yeah. And my legs were still fine. They were great. They were still... You know, you'd run quite a few miles, but they were fine, mm-hmm. so I wasn't too bothered about that way. But then we came in from the ten o'clock, and I was just, I was, I was shattered. So I decided that I would try. I didn't have a shower. I just ate quickly as much as I could in that in the first ten minutes of being back off the run, which is what I was trying to do most of them anyway. Because the first, yeah. it's normally the first twenty minutes that you need to get nourishment in after running. Yeah, you actually get right to get the calories back in again and the proteins it was a case of trying and get as much sleep between 10 and between so it was about quarter to, quarter to 11 i suppose and to and about half one for the next ready for the next one yeah and knowing that i had mike white with me but for 2 a.m i knew he was going to be pushing me <laughs> so basically i managed to get two hours upstairs thinking that I was going to be sleeping. It didn't happen at all. No. It was just buzzing. My mind couldn't switch off. All I was thinking about was I had to get up at 2 o'clock. I set my alarm for half one, but I slept through it. And it was quarter to two because it was on snooze. And I was just hitting it and then realised it was 10 to 2. Oh, dear. And Mike White was outside waiting. <laughs> was he the only one at 2 o'clock in the morning? He was the only one. Although Dom Don, Don Trusslave, who did it the, the previous two o'clock, got, said, Oh, he might turn up. No. I no. <laughs> don't blame him.
3: <laughs> no.
0: Oh well, credit yeah, to so Mike. So just
6: me and Mike. And so I was outside and he, he did a quick video with me which is on Facebook. And I was a little bit I was a little bit sweary, to be honest. But <laughs> uh, which you can understand, uh, I was severely sleep deprived, um, pretty shattered by this point. Yeah. And really didn't know what I was doing and whether it was I was gonna carry on. But yeah, I just uh, thought, okay, right, next next four miles, let's crack on. Yeah. Mike Mike got me going, we got went up the hill quite slowly, um, up Swanic Lane and obviously did the loop and it was about just, just over forty minutes, so it wasn't too bad. Although although my legs my legs felt Tired, but I think I was running faster than what I thought I was.
3: Right.
6: I I managed to get some um, sleep between the 2 and the 6. Yeah. I think I got an hour. And uh, so the 6 o'clock one in the morning was really nice because I knew this one was going to be hard, and I just had three left to do. Yeah. And so I had Simon Gibbon again with me, Sarah, our vice chairman, and, and Stuart Bamberger. Great. So they came down. And it was the first one in the rain, which was nice mm. for the weather, which is okay. So it made it nice and cool. Yeah. And I actually felt really, really good actually, and felt look, I've only got two after this one. There's only two. There's only eight miles to go. Two left to do. Two left to push.
0: The lowest point seems to have been that two a.m.
6: slot. Yeah, the two a.m. one I think was the the lowest one because because yeah. I think it's the time in the morning. Because had you you done, you know, almost 40 miles and your legs, although they felt better, it would think it was just really the tiredness that got to me. Yeah. And mentally, it got to me as well a little bit. And it's been able to sort of find the, the power in your brain to actually then say to yourself, I've, I've got to carry on, I've got to carry on. Yeah. David Goggins talks about being able to callous your mind.
3: Right.
6: So if you imagine like a callus on your hand, it's that sort of same sort of description. It's to be able to block out what that little man on your shoulder is saying to you, give up, give up, give up, give up. It's being able to block that out and say to yourself, look, I can do this, I can do this. And I think a lot of runners, particularly in long distance runners, ultramarathon runners, go through that they have to then block that pain out and be able to keep going to keep going and to keep pushing through
3: yeah
0: so do you think this taught you did this challenge teach you about how to do that even better because you've run ultras before yeah Uh, what what was different about
6: this i think so yeah because you you get to you get to a point on a run on some runs and it it can be a 10k you get to four miles and you think i've had enough of this but it's something in you that you need to say, right, I've got to keep this going. There's only two miles to go, or there's only there's 14 miles to go. Or a marathon, you get to you get to that wall at 22 miles and you think, it's only four miles. It's just it's just only four miles, just a bit more than a park run. Yeah. So you try and tell yourself that it's only that, but then four miles becomes 100 miles in your brain. Yeah. Because it's hard, isn't it? Yeah. It's being able to tap into that, that extra sixty percent, which is what David Gobbins is saying to be able to do. We run at forty percent, we 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 keep we but we become very sort of um lazy with our brain. We can actually do a lot more than what we think we can. Yeah. As humans. And I think that's what he's trying to portray and trying to give us challenges to try and be able to tap into that mental um strength that we need.
0: Would would you say that through this challenge you did get a little bit more deeply into that reserve and you did find a little bit more than the 40 percent or whatever it is you'd yeah. normally get to yeah
6: well, i think as well having particularly when it got to the 10 o'clock which is the p- penultimate run i knew that i had one left to go after this point yeah although the 10 o'clock was hard but I had people around me as well, which was good. I had Rob, Helen Benson, Craig Benson, and Paul Smith with me. Great. And although they were running in front or they're running behind, they were all talking to each other. I was on my own running still yeah. with my mind telling me I've got to get these four miles done yeah. and then to have only one left to go. So really the one left to go didn't matter. I didn't have to run it in my mind because I knew that it was over at that point. Yeah. So that, that, that 10 o'clock one became, the I think, probably the hardest one to do.
3: Right. If
6: I'm thinking about it now um, in my mind. Although my legs felt pretty tired <laughs> and my quads were starting to give me the signs of stiffness. And Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing as well. You, when you're running four miles each time, because you're having to then sit down or stop, go try and get some sleep. So your your muscles each time are stiffening up. How much stretching did you do between them? Yeah, I did I just did the normal stretching. I had a few ice baths in between. Right. And a hot shower afterwards. So really that's that's about the only thing I was doing. I wasn't going overboard with the stretching because I felt that that I needed to actually try and rest as much as I could. Yeah. So I just did in the normal the normal stretches that we would do after a, after a normal club session nice and quick 10 minutes uh, as much as I could and really to be honest I didn't do many warm-ups before the runs either I do a few leg swings just to get my legs going again and that's about it yeah didn't go over overboard, overboard with it right yeah so the, the 10 o'clock obviously was the p- penultimate one we did that quite quite an easy run it was just over 40 minutes again yeah knowing that there was just one left to do. Yeah, yeah. And my legs, my quads particularly, were very, very tight and very, very sore. And I had a couple of blisters on my heels as well. Yeah. But they, they didn't really bother me that much, so I wasn't too too fussed about them. Yeah. It was just mainly my quads that generally felt quite tired. Sure. But I could still run, which is the main thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So who, who had the pleasure of joining you on your final four-mile stretch?
6: My partner, Sham, who is generally around about a 12-minute miler. Yeah. And my son, Tom, who's very quick, obviously.
3: Yeah.
6: And Simon Gibbon turned up again for the last one. Good. So there was four of us running, basically. Nice. We started at 2 o'clock, uh, the last one in the afternoon. And it was quite hot. But I was filling up for it because this was the last one. Yeah. In your mind, this is it. This is the last baby we've got to do. We've got to crack this. Easy. In the bag, so yeah. So we started up Solid Lane. I walked a few times because we were with Sean. Yeah. Obviously, we had to keep the pace quite down a little bit more than what I was doing. But all the time, I wanted to push. But because we had Sean, I said, "Look, we'll, we'll keep the pace nice and steady, so we can so we can run with when run with her." And it, it and it was good as well because we got up to the two mile point and still feeling feeling okay. And then my son Tom decided that, "Come on, Dad." Let's see if we can get under fifty minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said, right, okay. So Simon stayed with Sean, yeah, and then me and my son Tom, who's twenty-three and a very good ex triathlete, decided that we would then pick the pace up. Right. And so I grimaced on my face and went, right, okay, let's go. So we literally hacked it down the M twenty down the M twenty-seven down the hill and up to. Backed up to the finish, and we finished literally just a couple of minutes in front of um, Simon and, and Sean. So great, yeah. So that was that was good to actually be able to run quite hard mm. after doing what forty-six miles at that point with no sleep.
0: Yeah, the quads held up.
6: Yeah, the quads held up. Yeah, they were fine. So great. It just goes to show that I think you go through when you're running a long distance race, be it a marathon. Ultra marathon that you go through those points where your legs are tired, you're tired, your brain's tired, and it's been able to get yourself through those points for so then your body then does get a second wind. Yeah. And be able to then push again. And I think that's proved to myself. Hopefully, I'll prove to others that it's that you will go through some bad points and some bad times with any running event. You need to be able to pick yourself up, both physically, and the most important thing is mentally as well. Yeah. If you've got it right upstairs, I think you'll do a lot better than you think you'll do. And I think as a Stubbington coach, I think that's something that I'm going to try and push through a lot more in my coaching about how we actually approach races mentally as well as physically yeah. because I think it's really important that we try and tap into this extra 60% that the body's not using. Yeah. If I hadn't had those people with me during that time and known that they're waiting outside, there probably wouldn't have been a couple of times where I think, well, do you know what? Sod it. I ain't doing it. Yeah. Because my upstairs, your mind was playing with you and said, do I really have to get up and go and run another four miles? So I think knowing that people are outside waiting or going to be turning up really, really helps. And I, I can, from the bottom of my heart, I really thank every single person that turned up and yeah. also the support on, on Facebook as well through the Stubbinson Green really, really helps. And I just really appreciate what the club do for everybody. So from that point, that's all I can really say at the moment, this moment in time. So yeah, it's very interesting. I think there's a, there's a lot, there was a lot of, people that within the club that have said, Oh, I can never do a marathon. I can never do this. I think until they get inspired, I don't think motivation, I don't think is a, is a word that we should use because motivation is, very, is temporary. Yeah. Desire is a better word is to do something or want to do it in your mind. So if, if someone's like David Goggins says, you know, if you want to lose weight, you've got to actually be blunt with yourself and say I'm fat yeah whereas if someone said to you you're fat you will take that personally yeah but it's being able to admit to yourself that you say right I'm I'm a fat bastard or whatever I need to sort it out so it's actually being very blunt with yourself to then look in the mirror and say to yourself I've got to do something about it yeah it's it's there, isn't it, all the time.
0: And that brings about the motivation to respond, doesn't it?
6: Yeah. And that's what he talks about the whole time, is being able to push through that 40% or go past that 40% to be able to then do something you want to do. I do recommend reading his book, I must admit. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's certainly an eye-opener.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Well, let me ask you, what do you think was the most rewarding thing that, that was part of this whole exercise because obviously there were difficulties we've we've talked a lot about how tough it was but what was the most rewarding part of the whole thing
6: I think there's probably a couple of things but I think the main thing for me because of all this um the COVID-19 and the lockdown and everything yeah and not being able to see my friends and my club mates as much over that time Because the rules were relaxed a little bit for us able to run as a six, it became that you could run with people that I hadn't seen for a while. And I think that was the main the main thing mentally for me, apart from the challenge that I wanted to do, the main thing was being able to bring the club together, albeit thirty runners or so, yeah, together for that weekend and also for the club then to see and try and get the club moving again in that that sort of respect. So it became like an event. Yeah, people then were watching me on, online and obviously giving me words of encouragement as well. So it, it got the club together for that weekend, and I think that's great. Yeah, and that's that's what that's a really really good positive that um, that came from it actually. Yeah, apart from my own personal challenge to do that.
0: Yeah. What do you think you will remember most
6: about the experience? The two o'clock. Yeah. In the morning with Mike White. Yeah. Because I watched that video that he took. (laughs) It just makes me laugh every time.
0: (laughs) But I guess it's also a reminder how you overcame those difficulties.
6: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just just lying in bed and thinking to yourself, I'm not going to get up in two hours' time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you did. Yeah, and that is that is the thing. And if you watch, you can watch a lot of people on on YouTube that have done this event, and some of them run like a 31 minute four miles or less, or less than 30 minutes, and then by the the sixth or seventh run, they're all running nine minute miles. <laughs> yeah, because because <laughs> it, it just suddenly just the sleep destroys them when yeah. no sleep destroys yeah. them. Yeah. Not about your ability, it's about your mental toughness and how sure. you can actually get through it.
3: Yeah.
0: Are you thinking of doing anything else to raise awareness for mental health?
6: Yeah, I'd certainly like to do something to try and involve the club a little bit more as well. We'll have to see, really. I haven't really thought about it much. Okay,
0: Watch this space?
6: But I'd certainly like to do something along those lines, Along something a bit run about the same sort of toughness. Yeah. Trying, even if it involves doing another another four by four by forty eight with somebody else. Yeah. Because there was that that actual weekend there was there was two other runners doing some extreme events as well. Oh really? Uh, Lewis Chalk, who's obviously in Thailand at the moment, he did it for, for twenty four hours. Right. So he ran every four hours for twenty four hours. So I think he did about up to five miles.
0: Yeah, what pace was he running?
6: Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: <laughs> absolutely.
6: And Aga Plombon, she did one mile every hour for twenty-four hours. Wow, it was the same weekend.
3: Yeah, yeah.
6: So there was three of us that weekend doing something good, good for the club and good for for charity as well.
0: Yeah, excellent. Well, Nigel, it's, it's been really interesting to find out what goes on inside the head of someone who does a challenge like this and also to <laughs> experience through your words what it was like. So for those of yeah. us who weren't there with you, um, we, we can just stand in amazement. And those who joined in, I'm sure they got a lot from it as well. So yeah, th- thanks very much for coming on Green Army Online today and talking us through that. It's been brilliant. See you for
6: yeah. now. OK. Cheers, and Stuart.
0: Riddles. In episode 4, you may recall, I posed two new riddles to solve while you were out running or simply sat in the sun during lockdown. It's now time for the answers. But first, let me remind you of the questions. Here's the first one. Question 1. You measure my life in hours and I serve you by expiring. I'm quick when I'm thin and slow when I'm fat. The wind is my enemy. What am I? The answer a candle and the second one was question two what english word has three consecutive double letters and the answer is bookkeeper so that's b double o double k double e p e r something new new members since episode four which was the 15th of june Well, I'm pleased to say the club has indeed grown since we last noted the membership new arrivals to the tune of one. Still, that's not bad considering the limited group running opportunities and racing opportunities available due to the Covid crisis. So it's a big stubby welcome to Brad Hammond's. Hi Brad, I hope you're able to listen to this, and if you are, I'd like to extend the warmest of welcomes from all members of Stubbington Green Runners. We do hope you enjoy being a part of the club, and we look forward to meeting you in due course, and, of course, doing some running together. Do stay in touch with Green Army Online for information on what is happening in and around the club as well as our Green Runner digital magazine, our club website, and also our Facebook group, where lots of day-to-day club communication takes place. Second, something new. The new, well, continuing virtual quiz at 7pm every Saturday night on Zoom. Don't miss this week's on Saturday the 11th of July, 7pm. And each week, as usual, you'll find a Facebook invitation on the Stubby Facebook group and then details of the Zoom access. These are all posted on there by Quizmaster Kev Ashman and Club Secretary Louise Tanner. Questions and suggestions for rounds can be sent to them at any time from any club member, so do join in either by answering or even having a go at setting some questions for a future Saturday quiz or by being there using Zoom. third something new. Here are some new riddles to solve while out running. Well they're not so much riddles as short puzzles this time. I have three for you. Number one. Can you find a number such that when you add five to it the number triples? There's a clue here if you want it. It doesn't have to be a whole number. Second one. You're given a length of rope and a box of matches. You know the rope takes exactly one hour to burn from end to end. You're then asked to measure 30 minutes with no clock or watch or other timepiece of any sort. You might think this is easy, just burn half of the rope. However, the rope is very uneven. It's thick in some places and it's thin in others. So you can't be sure how long it would take for any section of it to burn. So armed only with the rope and a box of matches, what should you do? clue here. Think a bit more laterally. And the third one. People who watch their national football team play in the World Cup may more than double their chances of a heart attack. True or false? Answers next time. In this episode, we've heard about the way in which training sessions and organised club activities are slowly starting up again, and there are ways in which we can run together now, and compete if you want to. The Covid relay has given us more to cheer, including a record mileage week for Team Even. And we heard that John Lee is doing well and still improving after that accident a few months ago. Great news. After listening to this episode, Are you all set to run on the South Downs? Or maybe encouraged to join in one of the club's distanced training events? Or maybe determined to discover that hidden 60% of your brain's capacity to help drive you to new things? Thanks to our interviewees this time, Andy Simpson, John Lee and Nigel Witcher and to odd and even team captains Lisa Don and Andy Simpson for the usual COVID relay updates, and thanks to all of you who've sent or posted on Facebook various messages and feedback. Thank you. I do hope you're enjoying Green Army Online. Do let me know if you have any comments or feedback, all gratefully received. Don't forget the two simple ways that you can join in with the podcast by letting us have your views, and or a mention on the show as well. Either email a short audio clip to us here at podcast at stubbingtongreenrunners.net or send a brief email message to us here at podcast at stubbingtongreenrunners.net with whatever you want to talk about. Have you got something to say yourself? Do you have a suggestion for an interviewee from the club for a future episode? Did you want to mention something which you're training for? Or a run session which you attended? Or even tell us about a virtual race that you entered? do let us know. We will endeavour to include your contribution in the next episode if possible. And please tell others in the club about Green Army Online and share the links to our podcast on your social media. Next time you see something on Facebook about Green Army Online, please share it so others can catch it too. Thanks. Next time, among other things, we'll have some more interesting stories from club members. We'll find out the latest situation concerning the COVID-19 virtual relay and the South Downs Way virtual relay too. We will of course find out some answers to some puzzles and we'll talk about the way in which we can train and or race together, which hopefully will move on even further in the coming days. Till then though, run safe, stay well and we'll end with some encouragement from the club coach.
2: Hi there, Mike White here.
0: Not listening to Green Army Online yet? Why not? Come on, let's go, let's go. You've been listening to Green Army Online with Stuart Pepper. To contact the show, email podcast at stubbingtongreenrunners.net. See you next time.